equals spin The propaganda's win Stress feeding on my attention My countrymen, they love their fiction Words are now Displayed with good intentions Welcome to One of Two Hundred. We're back for another week of Politics and Media Critique. I'm joined by my co-host, Rusty. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Good morning. What a fucking week. I'm... <laughs> Rusty has put his head in yeah, his hands. Not a, vi- not a visual medium, but... Oh, God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we missed last week. Um, everyone was sick. Uh, so there's a fair amount to catch up on, but... Yeah, just so much has happened. And so much just terrible shit. Um, it's not being covered effectively, so we're going to try and get through as much as possible. We want to do a mix of policy stuff and media stuff and perception poll stuff. Some of the stuff we try and stay, re- stay away from to a, to a large extent, um, you know, how frustrated I get with the media in particular just covering dumb shit. But if they're going to do that, at least cover the stuff that's important, eh? So we're going to kick it off uh, talking about some of the new tax policy stuff that's been coming out the last couple of weeks, uh, being driven by Labour. Move into the other big Labour policy announcement, uh, effectively, this week, which is to drop COVID health measures and then go into some of this pretty hefty turn, um, public turn, uh, by New Zealand First and ACT into some of the more culture war-y policy stuff, which, yeah, everyone saw coming, but apparently many people just pretended it wasn't going to happen. So starting off, uh, the Labour Party announced their, do we call it the tax policy, their cost of living policy? I, they haven't really pitched it as like a particular fix for anything. No. Everyone's talking about it as like, oh, this was very popular among focus groups. Like this is the first time I've seen like, that being some of the framing from the media around the stuff, which is very fair, and I wish they'd do this more often, which is to take GST off fruit and vegetables of some kinds. Surprise. That's it. Like, in terms of the marketing of it, I think, um, or the way Labour have framed it, at the same time, they announced some pretty significant increases to working for families at the um, alongside it as part of a sort of cost of living package. And that's really good. And will make a meaningful difference um, to the lives of those who who are eligible for working for families far more so than the, the taking tax off um, fruit and vegetables. So it's it's really, really weird to me that this has been teased for so long and built up to so much. And then it's for an average family, I think $4 a week, if that, um, that just the level of focus and attention that this this policy has has got before and afterwards for something that is so inconsequential it's what it reminds me of is if taking the prescription fees off was sort of well we can't afford to do anything real in the health space anything kind of huge but we'll do this one you know not not nothing policy um so we can be seen to be doing something on the cost of healthcare, or in this case, the cost of everyday life, um, without meaningfully having it, without it having a meaningful impact on the government's books. That strikes me as where it's coming from. Cards on the table. I think it's a dumb policy. Um, 
Like I'm not a, I'm not so much of a tax nerd that I think the purity of the tax system is the only thing that matters. But I think you know, um, being able to effectively collect taxes that we're supposed to collect is important because that's how the government gets the money to do the things that it needs to do. And this is going to impose extra costs um, for not a lot of benefit. If it was all food, you could kind of go, that's a hugely impactful um, amount of, of, um, of, you know, people's weekly budgets. This is, yeah, it's kind of laugh. It's not even all fruit and vegetables. If you like, if, if you have tinned tomatoes, I'm sorry, um, Chippy doesn't think that you should be making pasta sauce. You should only be using fresh tomatoes. And I think that's the other thing that gets me about it, that it is, Labour does still have this kind of... Patriarchal dente. Yeah, this this kind of, you know, Fabian socialist, we know what's best for you, kind of middle-class reformers telling the poor what to do. Um, and I don't love that aspect of it either. But at the same time, it's... I don't think it's all that destructive. Um, and apparently it's popular. Apparently this is one where you can talk about, oh yeah, all of, I don't give a shit what these egghead economists think. The common, um, when I meet people on the street, what they tell me is, and look, fine, um, fuck's sake, do a bit of left-wing populism, Labour Party, I'm begging you. Um, so to the extent that they can do that, and maybe it is popular uh, and it, it allows them to go to the national party. What have you got? What are you doing? Um, it's great, but I just think it's, you know, relative to the tax policies we've seen from the Greens, TPM, top, it's, uh, yeah, it's jokes. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff to say about it. It's, it's, it's very much in the wheelhouse of like third way labor, but okay, now let's apply these arguments to act in national. And that's where I get really frustrated with, um, some of the more egregious economist types um, and political commentators uh, attacking labor in particular ways around, you know, purity of the tax system or like, oh, so I won't even give people that much or yada, yada. Okay, cool. Now apply that same rubric mm. because you said what, it's maybe $4 a week. That's double what nationals tax cuts are planning to do for the poorest people. And their tax tech is way less, right? Like, and it's not double what they're planning to, what nationals tax cuts will do if you're in the upper ten percent of the income bracket. Is, and I think, and I think that that's the bit that I wish people wouldn't ignore is the fucking distributional side of the stuff matters mm -hmm. um, in terms of improving people's lives. And it's like, yes, tax efficiency is good, but ultimately, who benefits? Like, who who are these tax cuts here for? And again, if you want to talk about it in, in populist terms, tax cuts for the wealthy are really unpopular. Yeah. And, it, you know, the conversation should predominantly about are we paying for infrastructure and public service deficits? You know, and, and we've known that for a little while now, um, especially with an ongoing poly crisis, uh, and especially in New Zealand, where, you know, this stuff is like 30 years out of date in terms of, you know, our water pipes um, our electricity grid, um, et cetera, et cetera, we know that we don't have enough tax revenue. Any cuts to that are going to have very significant effects. And I think that's that's why, I don't know, this probably slipped by a national have sort of saying, oh, we're not going to be able to have a fully costed fiscal plan prior to the election or prior to the, the prefu coming out. And funny that. Funny that they cannot get the numbers. And I think this is, Labour do know some things that the rest of us don't know because they're 
party of government, they get to see these things early. Um, clearly, they can't reconcile the ambitions they have or what they want to do in terms of public services or investment with what they can get with our business as usual tax um, policies. ACT have a way out of that. The Greens have a way out of that. Um, Labour doesn't. Labour's desperately trying to make it hang together. This policy doesn't come in until 2026 when, you know, hopefully um, we're through the worst of, um, you know, the kind of coming uh, recession. But yeah, National doesn't seem to be able to make it work financially either. I mean, everyone has a way out of it. Tax people fairly. Well, they just aren't, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it's crazy. This Carl's crazy. To <laughs> I mean, act have a way out of it is burn everything down. Um, yeah. And like, almost literally, uh, given <laughs> what we're seeing, you know, in the countries that are suffering through summer at the moment, mm. uh, that, that is what is going to happen. I'm worried about what we see here in the north of mm. the North Island and in Northland and, and down south where it's a bit drier. Uh, coming into summer because we haven't prepared for that, you know, and and we're going to need to get that money from somewhere. Yeah. And from what I last saw, the El Nino weather pattern that we thought we were going to get is a bit weaker, but like that really fucks with our ability to produce agricultural exports. And those are really important for funding all of the things we need to fund. So um, it's just best not to think about it in some ways um, (laughs) because it just gets really grim. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, On in, in the end with the GST stuff, it's kind of, it's fine, whatever. It's better than what National are doing with tax, which is, yep, okay, that's all we can expect from yeah. the Labour Party. Um, what are, the other the other interesting aspect, though, is there's, they are clearly not of one mind on this stuff, right? And it's mm-hmm. the same with the debates over the wealth tax, that their happy ships don't leak, but there, there clearly is a, a divide within their caucus and i know grant robertson was like it's a lie it's like well no specifically that you had a row is a lie yeah but i mean they clearly have different views on this and that's expected in any big party yeah and it, it i think it shows and yeah it's expected in any party but i think it does show where hipkin sits relative mm-hmm. to the rest of his caucus that he is at the basically the outer right ex, outer right end even compared to david parker and grant robertson david parker is, is like seems like the most left-wing person i've got a which is crazy it's a, yeah, it's a shame he's not an electorate MP who can't resign and stand for top or the greens like fuck it why not at this point you've got you got three um RMA reform passed. Um, they killed your tax plans. There's one other big thing that he was working on. I can't remember now, but it's like you've done all that. Fucking, you know, yep. go out with a bang. But, this is the thing. Um, like Labor knows. Yeah. Labor knows the stuff is needed. And uh, David Parker's. Well, no, he he always says it. No, it's I. Labor didn't do the review. It was independent, right? Yes. yes. Um, it's not some. It's not mine. He says. Uh, mm. But we got that review done. They mm. they know it's needed. They know it's unfair. They know that the wealthiest are paying a 9% effective tax rate, which is obscene. That's a lot of funding that isn't going back into keeping our society working. You know, this stuff is not manageable. It's been unmanageable since the 80s. Um, We're hitting a crisis point on it. Like something has to shift and we know it's popular and Labour must know it's popular as well. Uh, There's, you know, we we, we don't know what Labour knows. They're probably under a lot of pressure from business, et cetera. But that's not going to change anything. Like, no, and you think the media are going to, the media are already making shit up, like about your tax stuff. Like, 
running this policy is going to make no difference in the tenor of reporting coming into the election. Just do something mm. that people want. And that is also going to let you deliver once your government again, provided that you're able to get the numbers together. <laughs> yeah. And it remains to be seen. And I think that, you know, I feel like a broken record, and I'm sorry about this, but Labour are not going to win by being a watered-down version of National. And I think the, the the persistent worry I have is that they still don't get that they only need 35%, they don't need 50%. And that if they had leaned into, we're going through hard times, we need to pull together, we need to look after one another. Hey, remember, we're the, like, the Workers' Party, we're... Yeah, yeah the, also the like common working Kiwi. People like, hate some of those rich fuckers at the top. Just no, fucking aim at them, man. Like, just look, this person is not doing enough for the rest of uh, New Zealand. It's time they paid yeah. their fair share. Like, like all of you hardworking buggers do. This is the thing. Like, yeah, I. Anyway, um, the uh, I guess the other tax thing that came out, um, which was like mildly better, uh, was the announcement of the. Labor's roads and transport plans that's been um, paired with a fuel tax increase, which is a bold um, tax to be focused on. Like, roads should pay for themselves. Um, they never have and they never, probably never will. Um, but at least, and this is, I think, if they do have a coherent strategy for pinning Luxon and Willis, it's this. It's show me the money, you know, uh, the um, transit plan, which is sort of 14, 10 motorways, mostly not the most egregious overpriced ones and kind of reasonable um, connections between places that need redundancy, like for climate reasons, like the British um, over the Ashburton River um, or getting cars out of um, rural uh, town centres, yeah, fine. Um some work on improving uh, rail and light rail access in the main centres. Fuck all for Christchurch for some reason, um, which is weird because there's a lot of votes there for Labour who need to be bribed. Um, I don't know why they're writing them off. It's a more left-wing city than Auckland. Anyway, um, but they've at least fronted up and been honest about these things need to be paid for. We need to get that revenue from somewhere and it should be coming from... Um, at least road dri drivers as a group through tax raises instead of being funded by everyone, including people who don't drive and um, might want alternative transport options, as opposed to nationals just like uh, fucking a wizard will find the money. <laughs> and they, um, and they, keep, they keep just refusing to say where it's going to come from. Yeah. And like if any other in any other situation, they'd get nailed for this. Like, Labour couldn't get away with this. Like, the Greens certainly can't, even when they give all the details they are told they're not economically sound or they just don't cover them. It's the amount of stuff that National is saying they're going to do. And, and mm. I don't want to get into, like, oh, how are you going to pay for it kind of stuff? Because I think that also puts us in a position where, you know, we're Agreed. buying some of this neoliberal austerity stuff. But at the same time, like, we know there needs to be more tax. Okay, how are you going to get this? Like, mm. yes, we do need these things. Um, but you're also doing tax cuts. Like that, yes. this is a, this is a problem. I think the latest answer I saw is, oh, maybe the super fund and KiwiSaver might want to invest in roads. And it's like, you guys are fucking economically illiterate. <laughs> like, well, they do have, they have seen like they want to raid 
people super funds for a while. They're eh? supposed to be the business party, my dudes. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's incredibly, incredibly um, frustrating. And the largely free pass they've got so far on this, I think what might change that is when they are put head-to-head with Labour. Yeah, I was going to say, um, debates. And how much do people actually care about debates anymore? I'm not sure. It depends on whether or not there's a good line. And, 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 and then that comes down to the media. And then the media care about it, which I think is does matter. And I think what I would hope to see in terms of horse racy bullshit is Labour basically going, you guys are fucking fantasists. You mm-hmm. you there's absolutely no way you can make this this work. We're we're serious, you know, you can trust us. Um yeah. Yeah. I think like there's absolutely no guarantee of that given what how I've seen the media behaving so far this this campaign and we'll get into that yeah. a bit a bit more later but so to, just to have you on the record you're pro the fuel tax <laughs> relative to just funding it out of general taxation yes but i think moving to a more universal road user charge and congestion charging system mm-hmm. that accounts for um where people are driving not just the fact that they're driving and the kind of roads yeah. they're driving on would be better but like it seemed like they were planning to do that for a while and then it got caught up um and i don't know what happened um but like yes if you're going to build a road at least make cars pay for it yes that's good i'd rather you didn't build most of these roads but um whatever it's <laughs> again <laughs> but politically to me it just seemed like a why did you do this especially given like the extent to which they've gone out of their way to to sell the gst changes as being populist okay cool mm-hmm. now let's get rid of all those votes Yes. Um, because, I mean, it, like in the end, it is a regressive tax to some extent, right, to charge people yeah. for petrol in this way. It's going to hurt the the working families that they're trying to target with the GST changes. It, I don't know if it balances it out so much as, yeah. And it, so I I just don't know what the strategy is around that. Like, it, it just seems mm. like a bad thing to be announcing in an election season. It's, it, mm. I mean, this can't be popular. No, and I, I it's part of the overall dilemma they're in, similar to what we were talking about before, is they need to say what their roading plan is, um, because National have theirs, um, and they're going to get asked about it, but they're vaguely intellectually honest. <laughs> um, Oops. Yeah, no, big fuck up. Um, and and, so and, and it's not dis- going to, because of the imbalance in the way that's reported... Yeah, that's where it's like, oh, how are you, how are you, how are you going to pay for it? I think the answer is well, we're working on road pricing reform at the moment, and once that review comes back from um, Wakakatahi, we will reconsider how to strategically. You know, they could bullshit their way out of it, um, similar to how National have. Um, unfortunately, they chose not to. Um, and yeah, obviously, unsurprisingly, I think the Greens Transport plans are a lot better. There's actually not that many more good motorways to build and a focus on safety improvements and resiliences in terms of road transport is much more important than um you know modest improvements to um travel times in exurban uh, areas but whatever i get it people like cars so it goes the third policy um that labor's announced over the last two weeks and i'm kind of this is an election policy i think this is a there's no other reason to be doing this well it's it's an election policy alongside very clear pressure from particular parts of the business lobby. Uh, and that's to remove the uh, some of the final mandates uh, around COVID health measures. Uh, so removing the isolation period, the mandated isolation period, which to me just reeks of hospital bosses wanting to force people to come into work while they're sick. You know, under the previous uh, rules, an employer couldn't do that. 
someone says, look, I've got COVID, I'm mandated to stay home uh, and they could get sick leave that way. You know, if you've ever worked in hospital, you know how hard it is to to take time off and get paid. Employers will always make you come in sick if they can. And Mm -hmm. this seems like that's where this has has come from predominantly. The second part of it, though, was just outrageous to me, um, or more outrageous, and that is to remove mask mandates for health settings, which is just seems ludicrous. We should do that anyway, even if COVID didn't exist. This was the I had hoped would be a you know longer term cultural change that came out of the COVID experience is that masking in more settings as a basic respiratory health public health measure would have more support behind it, but it's just been so, yeah, critically undermined by this weird culture war discourse that's somewhat imported, somewhat domestic. Um, the, and all oh, coordinated and all designed. Oh, co- co- coordinated. And like in a hospital, in a wearing mask in, in, in hospitals and doctors' surgeries, it's like it's the fucking absolute bare minimum you could ask people to do and people won't do it. And yeah, I I have very little to say on either of these. It's sort of the complete just exhaustion that the government seems to have in doing literally anything about COVID. I'm not one of those lockdown was fun. Let's go back to when we were all happy and Jacinda and Ashley TV people. Honestly, like like no, it was was horrific. Um, Needed, but. Needed and was especially the tail end in Auckland, um, like fucking brutal. And I think that does get forgotten sometimes if you don't live up there. But, um, like, yes, fine, we had to reopen when the rest of the world, I don't know why we're really litigating this, but it's like, and, um, if you haven't seen it, Mark Dalder's piece in, um, newsroom, uh, earlier this week on this, um, was some of the best kind of political writing I've seen. It just absolutely nails um, the government response here of if any other public hazard had the same potential to kill and injure people that COVID does, we would be doing some reasonable amount of mitigations around it. But because of the bizarro politics that have grown up around um, any kind of public health measure being seen as a mandate or, you know, something that controls you, um, they've just decided to give up on all of them. Um, having already given up on the more active things that they could be doing, like providing adequate, um, you know, air filtration. and That's and one of the things still. that really blows me away. And it doesn't, yeah, and like I know, oh, money, where the budget's tight. It doesn't it's like, matter. It doesn't matter. It's, again... It doesn't just work for COVID. Yeah. Hey, it'd be great if my kids aren't getting sick all the time. I've wow, this must be something that Labor did. (laughs) Maybe I'll post it. Well, the 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 distance between it's maybe too big, but it's still the right thing to do. Um, and it doesn't just work for COVID; it also works for cold and flu. But whatever. Um, yeah, I I think you're exactly right on why they removed the um seven day limit. Um, and like having got COVID myself recently, um, and also knowing people who work in hospitality who got COVID recently, um, you absolutely need to have Chippy having your back saying, I can't come to work right now. I have COVID. It's against the law because in a lot of fields, and like if you have a, an emails job 
and have for a very long time you forget this shit but like fuck you get back to work like stopping such a fucking pussy you need to harden the fuck up and get the fuck back here um it's just a standard attitude from a lot of employers even when we had the mandates it's like oh yeah but now that's bullshit come on and without having the the state on your side basically to resist that people are just going to go back to work um Mm -hmm. and look i've i've been wrong about how bad things are going to be with COVID before um so maybe this won't make any difference at all because it actually wasn't doing anything but yeah it's it's they clearly just want it out of the way is that they want COVID to be a complete non-issue. Um, they want everyone to forget that it exists. Um, but what is it? 600 people um, died of, not just with this year. Um, three times the road toll. It's like, yeah. Maybe it isn't going away, the, even if you pretend it is. The human society's ability to, to just um, inure ourselves to suffering once it goes on for long enough and just accept that it's normal is kind of, and I guess it makes sense evolutionarily speaking, but it's fucking, again, it's grim. Yeah, and it's also being taken advantage of by our politicians and our, our yeah. media and our business interests. Like, okay, people just get on with it because they have to, because they have to survive. Like, so we can do what the fuck we want to them. Uh, and this is, you know, a, a common power dynamic uh, across human civilization as well. And it's it's fucked. It's really frustrating to me. Um, I, I think this is like, you could probably make a, a case that this is an Auckland policy. Um, Auckland numbers are not looking good for Labour. And there's probably a pretty strong argument that is to do with those lockdowns. I would just say caution around that essential Guardian poll. Like, cross uh, this, this meme is out there now. And I'm not saying Labour doesn't have an Auckland problem, but a lot of people are shaping narratives around the Auckland and youth results in that poll. One poll, we've seen like other stuff around it though, haven't we? I mean, that poll was oh yeah, that poll was an outlier in some ways. That poll was pretty extreme, so I do, I do. But yes, no, I I agree with the broad point, but just um, that Guardian poll was weird. I I don't. I'm interested to see what else comes out. Um, Don't go and look it up, everyone. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't already seen it, go and go and follow the overhang instead. That's the only place you need to look for pollen. Yeah. So we've had like this again. We've been saying this, you know, since the beginning of the year. Labour are going to be looking for these marginal things that they can kind of drop on the table uh, and target one to two percent uh, parts of the vote to try and build their vote back uh, in relation to national. I think I don't think they're aiming for like forty. I think they do understand that they're going to have to come in with minor parties here and they're trying to work those angles. Uh, I don't think that's the best election strategy, um, but it's seeming pretty clear. Unless they come out with a bigger populist policy that is looking to grab everyone, um, it seems to me that they're trying to run a very narrow line here, which is incredibly politically dangerous. I think it's going to... There's another another good piece elsewhere. Um, I think it was Duncan Greaves saying... The most popular party in New Zealand right now would be Christopher Hipkins as yeah. leader of the National Party. And I think it will, I think because they refuse to move on anything in taxation, there is no, like what what big populist policy could they have that costs no money um, that they haven't already thought of? I mean, they can like, just lie. They can just lie. Well, they could just lie, but um, the show me the money instinct is strong. Um, so... Maybe it'll work. Maybe we're wrong. Uh, yeah. Egg on my face if we do. 
Um, I hope I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, a target's so small you can't see it. Yep, yep. Uh, and I guess that segues us pretty well into the way that our right-wing parties are aiming for this, like, extreme minority of voters. And, you know, we predicted this as well. We get everything right here on the podcast. Uh, all our predictions are correct all the time. Um, and in this case, it was that at the National going to fight over some dumb shit, and if New Zealand First starts to get a gain a bit more ground, act are going to tap into culture war stuff um, instead of just outrageous, destructive um, economic policy. Uh, and lo and behold, we saw New Zealand First um, getting up around four and then around like, getting over the threshold in, I think, a couple of polls. And, you know, that's on the back of having the conference and, and introducing some, like, outright anti-vax um, and other extreme radical uh candidates I mean, like i i know i can't quite find the right word to say it, but like genuinely unhinged like um, dangerous people people with dangerous, dangerous ideas yes admittedly fairly far down the list but still it, it's a very concerted strategy to pick up all of that um you know, parliament protests, anti-mandate uh, energy, and pull it all behind New Zealand first. Um, and it's working. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole range of, of stuff that Winston Peters has been dipping into over the last uh, eight to 12 months uh, around um, the anti-mandate stuff and, and around lockdowns and uh, et cetera. But he's now jumped on the anti-trans uh anti-trans train as well with this like just obscene bathroom policing policy it's it's so fucking stupid uh you've seen like the most like horrific implementation of that in the states which is where it comes from in terms of implementation although i think like some of the the seeds of it came from the uk where you know a lot of this stuff um has been bubbling away for a while uh and yeah just gets up and, and says this is our view, we, we want to be in the bathrooms of the nation. The government has no place in the bedroom, but apparently it has a place in the bathroom. It's it's fucked, man. It's I I don't I don't want to do this. And it's we not a, like, it's nothing. Like but no one no, no one, one votes for this. No one gives like and you know, we have polling on and like most people are like, fine, yeah, whatever. Either supportive or like just broadly indifferent towards um trans and non-binary and various other kinds of, um, you know, people in the, the LGBT community. Like, we we don't have the frothing at the mouth evangelical roots that the US has, but there is some of that out there, um, but it's, it's, it's not as big. But just trial balloon after trial balloon has been floated by the likes of the FSU. Um, the Free Speech and, Union. Sorry, the Free Speech Union. Um and the various other cooker media outfits like the platform. Um, and, you know, we saw this during the Posey Parker tour, the the absolute, um, you know, orders of magnitude difference in people who were showing up to counter-protest versus showing up um, in support of, of um, the, um, you know, Parker's views. And it's like, no one asks for this. No one wants to talk about this. Christopher Luxon doesn't want to talk about this. Like, it's fucking disgusting it's fucking shameful um i don't expect any better of winston peters or david seymour because in the end their um 
fucking craven creatures of power. And I just really feel for, you know, the like it fucking sucks. And sorry, I know I've been saying that a lot this week, but this one's kind of genuinely heartbreaking to me that, um, you know, gender minorities are just going to get dragged into politics again for no fucking reason. Um, and I think this is the other thing reflecting back on the um, on the Parker tour and the, the um, idea that she might be returning is that the call is coming from inside the house and actually the organizations we need to be more concerned about and people are doing, you know, we've seen it with the Julian Bachelor tour um, and the protests against that. We need to be organizing against the, the you know, domestic forces who are, who are trying to get this going. Because um, ultimately, I, I believe New Zealanders hate making a fuss. We don't like drama. And if you can paint it as, you know, these right-wing forces just being weird and making a fuss about shit no one cares about, it'll tamp it down. But, you know, that's now two parties who between them represent 20% of the vote. Well, I th- I'd say more 15% if we're talking about New Zealand First has probably been pulling from ACT, right? True, true. Yeah, 15%. Um, I should probably run the numbers on that. Uh, but, yeah, who who will form part of the next right-wing government? Um, and-, and there's no way that all 15% of the people who vote for them uh, agree with them on this. Like we know it's not an electorally viable issue. We we know that like for a fact. Um, yeah. Which says to me that the people running these parties they're not doing it out of political expediency. They're doing it because they fucking believe it. Like and we have to we have to get past this fucking idea that the politics like politicians are just doing politics. Some mm. of these people are just cunts. This is the thing. It's like oh, but you know, it's just red meat for the bay. And like, I don't believe Winston Peters believes anything. Um, That's also like, probably true. At this. But I think in terms of the broader leadership in New Zealand First and the ACT Party, it's like, it doesn't matter actually what they believe in their hearts and that, oh, they're just doing this yeah. cynical political game. What matters is their words and actions. And I, I, I have to credit at least the media that I've seen reacting on this issue. Oh, yeah. O'Brien's column. Tova's column was great. It's, you know, she pisses some people off on the left, but fuck, when she's right, she's right. Um, and to the extent that this gains more traction, I hope we see that same attitude uh, from the press of like, this is just this weird obsession that certain um, people have and we'd rather just move on and talk about something important. The problem is that we've seen earlier in the year that there are people high up in media who also believe this shit and there are like some very prominent commentators who are, just, who are happy to just like spout off like the most inane and completely unfactual garbage to push their agenda on this. It's completely created and designed you know we're talking about trial balloons out of the um, free speech union and stuff like that they've just had groups running around like workshopping this uh, and that's why uh david seymour has felt like he's in a comfortable position to tie himself uh to not pro posy parker but do the kind of pro free speech line around the anti-trans debate like oh no we should be allowed to say what they say mm. and Again, everyone knows. Everyone in the media knows what this actually means. Like, we know how this operates. It's it, that, that is not what his view is. His view is only that when it's extreme views, um, mm. or like extremely bigoted views, are the only time he's going to come out and say that when he thinks he can gain something out of it. When he thinks he's safe. And I think we've got another example of that that yeah, we, we should we probably do. talk about. We with- will. 
Uh, but this, yeah, this anti-trans stuff, like, we just have to not let it in. Uh, no. And the fact it's coming now, again, that's coordinated as well. The, the reason that New Zealand First and the ACT Party have decided to talk about that this week is because Parker's here in a month. Mm. That, and they're trying. They, they are coordinating, like, a, a, across the entire thing. It was the FSU, I think, or people involved the FSU who brought her here mm. in the first place. Like, you can't just keep seeing this happen again and again as the media, as political commentators, and not saying, yeah, this is a clearly a political campaign. They're clearly trying to influence the politics here with an international, internationally coordinated and funded group. Like, it's very clear that's what's happening. And we don't have to let it happen. Um I'm not the best person to to speak on this um, as a painfully cis man, um, but painfully there have been. Well, you know, it's just extremely. <laughs> I'm not. This is not something where I have have you know um, the right experience and, and kind of background to to spout off. But the efforts against the earlier Parker tour were such, you know fucking public expressions of queer joy that it was amazing to be a part of. And that's what we need again here to resist this because people will ultimately side with the side that looks like it's having the best time. And (laughs) that's not the weird bathroom cop people. And I think we need to remember that, that not only is our side morally right on this. We're pop, like it's popular and this needs to be opposed and resisted in whatever forms people are comfortable doing as individuals. And that includes anytime Seymour or Peters talk about the stuff. Yeah. I think that's the, um, the focus on Parker whilst good at rallying people is ultimate. She's ultimately going to get back on a play. I still reckon 50, 50, she doesn't show up. Um, but ultimately she's going to get back on a plane and fuck yeah. off back to Turf Island. Um, she's not going to implement policies here. Brian, Brian Tamaki, Winston Peters, and David Seymour aren't going anywhere, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned uh, some other stuff that uh, David Seymour was dipping into um, this week in terms of what he feels safe to say. I've just been astounded by the lack of coverage over this. I've said on Twitter a fair amount um, <laughs> that, like, good on News Hub for sticking sticking with it. Uh, because earlier in the week, um, while on News Talk ZB, just having a good old chat with Duncan Garner, he made a, well, here's the thing. He's calling it a joke now, right? He's saying, oh, yeah, it was just a joke. Um, he didn't say it was a joke at the time um, because apparently it was evident. But he said his fantasy was, these are his words, uh, was to have uh, some kind of Guy Fawkes-type person blow up the Ministry of Pacific Peoples um, just to get it out of the way. Uh, although uh, he'd uh, have uh, a much uh, more formal... Funny one. joke, funny joke. I'm so, so hilarious. Oh, David, fucking human mean David Seymour. Ha, ha, ha. What a fucking funny joke, you cunt. Sorry, go on. And, you know, that that shouldn't be something that I- ever exits the mouth, a political figure, and especially not one that's, like, in Parliament right now who's holding like a large amount of the vote and apparently just never really happened as far as media is concerned. News Hub covered it. Apparently it was on Checkpoint. They had a chat about it. The spin-off had a piece because Luxon got asked about it uh, by a member of the public. So end up in their current events um, stuff. Uh, Luxon said, no, I don't agree with that. But basically no other platform has has covered this at all. 
if you put this in contrast to any other speech of this type, even close to it, if you put it in contrast even to politicians misspeaking, uh, so not even saying anything that you know, you know potentially incites violence um, or takes aim uh, at another group, and the sometimes weeks of coverage that that will get with front page, like hard copy uh, stories, constantly stuck to the top of the website. And the way we're told, oh, this is because it's good for clicks. Um, and often it's just not. Often it's just very clearly a political campaign. There is, I cannot think of any reason other than political bias towards David Seymour for not covering this. In the days afterwards, he was asked if he was going to apologize and resile from those comments. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to. What are you going to do? We can't just uh, we can't just attack everyone who's having a joke and running out of this like really disgusting little creep debate club shit that you see like from from the worst people in like US right wing media, like the Crowders or the Matt Walshers or the Ben Shapiro's. Like, oh ha, uh, what are you gonna do? Be woke? Triggered much? Triggered? Yeah, like, oh, are you mad, bro? This kind of shit. And like, and he's, it's, he's getting it's, saying this to people's faces. It's it's pathetic. And he looks like a high school, like, little shit. He's 40. This is the other thing. It's like, oh, you know, young. And we've seen this now both in the Washington, in two Murdoch papers. Um, sorry, no, the Washington Post isn't Murdoch. But we've seen this in two right-wing international papers now it's like the young hip libertarian in new zealand showing the world the way and it's it's this pr- number one motherfucker's 40 years old he's a grown-ass man he is not some fucking 18 year old kid on 4chan posting troll memes. as much as he wants to be as just grow the fuck up be a fucking adult you're gonna be a cabinet minister in either three months or three years fucking Pull your shit together, bro. Um, but there's this concerted attempt to be like, oh yeah, they, you know, out there speaking the the gospel of um free market economics to um a younger generation. It's like the entirety of their success is based on the National Party attempting to pivot back to the center and on gun rights and um, you know, rural insecurity around government policy. Nothing to do with fucking Hayek. Um, but anyway, the yeah, the the fact that he was able to even joke about this, um, and then as we found out, um, people had already been going in and threatening uh staff at that the, morning. Um, that fucking that, morning. And maybe maybe he didn't know, but I don't ki- I don't give a shit. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Um don't say shit like this. It was the same with David Bennett's comments um, about assassinate. What is it? Um, the Commerce Commission needs a bullet. The same thing. That didn't get much coverage. It got got it, one uh, story it, about him. About, and he did apologize. He, he did apologize. He was probably drunk. He is a backbencher. Um, but what Seymour said as part of the kind of not apologies, I've been saying stuff like I've been making jokes like this, this all across the country. Ludicrous. And it's like, I've, I've made the joke hundreds of times. What else are you saying when you're not on fucking radio? Um, if you're comfortable like saying a, this on radio as a, as a joke, you, yeah, what, what else are you saying to supporters then, mate? Yeah. Because this was and the immediate like, like fucking thing that all the right-wing outriders, these smarmy yeah. little shits, um, were, were running around tone policing people like, oh, what, you really think he caused this to happen? Oh, this was actually mm. in the morning, so haha. Uh, he he definitely didn't incite this. And you're like, well, 
now we have a bit more information from Seymour himself that he's been yeah. doing this around the country. For, maybe he did. Yeah. Maybe he fucking did. And it's all part of the overall pressure cooker stochastic approach to basically inciting racial hatred towards Maori and Pacific um, communities. The the other ongoing, where the fuck is the money from, for this coming from? One is the Julian Batchelor tour, um, where it's like, oh, it's about co-governance. And then there's been some great footage released recently. It's like, oh no, these, these, these guys are fucking prepping for a race war. Like that's what they think is coming. It's, yeah. Um, scary and, shit that's going on on the outer extremes. And David Seymour knows that's happening. He knows what the environment <laughs> is. He knows what happened in Christchurch. He knows about the Parliament protests and how violent those were. And he still thinks it's uh, okay it's, to be making these these kind of um, jokes. jokes um, and that's the thing on the top. My fantasy. This is, and I, I hate to do close fucking reading. Um, you know, six form NCA level two English here, but it's like my fantasy is to have Guy Fawkes go in there is not the same as like my like the fact that that's number one, get better fantasies, bro. Um, but yeah, the it's irresponsible, it's hateful, um, it's incredibly worrying. And again, we don't we don't have to do this. Also, why is it the most hate- specific people's, mate? Well, we know why it is. We, yeah. I mean, exactly. You know, look, spending 40 grand on lunch is bad. Don't do that if you're in the public sector. That's another Sorry. thing that has fucked me off, though, is every single one of these stories, even the ones I've shown, have, have, stuck, have stuck that to it as well. And you're like, and they've already sorted. Yeah. The, they got chastised. They know they shouldn't do it. They know it was irresponsible. It and won't they paid happen it back. again. It's impossible to ignore the way that coverage was racialized. Um, if that had been just any random other business ministry, you know, buying lunch from, um, you know, spending 40 grand on a lunch at Charlie Noble, um, that would have passed without comment. Some of the coverage went through in pretty precise detail about exactly the kinds of foods that were ordered. Um, so it was very clearly dog whistling. I don't, I mean, oh, but they're just saying factually what happens. And it's like, Come on, yeah, dude, and this is always a fucking basic like, domain is, of these bullshits, isn't it? Oh, no, it's just, we're just telling the truth. We're just truth tellers. We actually speak talking yeah. truth to power because this uh, yeah. a ministry. And look, do do uncover um, improper spending by ministries. I don't have a problem with that. That is actually a laudable goal. Um, but but that's, that's not, not what, what this that's not what this was. And to then dovetail that into, um, hey, I want to actually blow this shit up. It's, it's pathetic. It's just low. It's, I can't, you know, fine, have different views about the relative fucking balance of taxation and regulation. Most of us grow out of our libertarian phase. Some of us don't. Whatever. But I don't know. He's probably grown out have, into a reactionary phase at this point. Well, this is the, this is the other thing is, again, judge you by your actions and, and, and your words, not what's in your heart. It's kind of when so much of your focus is on, yeah. Stoking racial divisions and targeting minority groups. Um, sorry, no, I mean, you're just you're just a fucking reactionary. Most of what both David Seymour and Brooklyn Valden been pushing when they've been on media is this fucking apartheid line, which is obscene in itself. But you know, this this isn't this isn't a what I'm saying is this isn't an isolated incident of him no, of him doing this. You know, this is a yeah. been going on for six or twelve months minimum, targeting minorities, and yeah. that has. An effect 
And as you increase the rhetoric towards violence, that's going to have an effect and it might not be tomorrow, you know? Find the hated outgroup that must be punished. Um, I can't... Find more than one if you can, apparently. Yes, find a few. Um, You know, we can't do anything to help each other as a society, but at least I can punish someone that you don't like. And it's... um, We're not immune to it here, right? Like, we, we have this New Zealand exceptionalist idea that... Oh yeah, the UK and the US have gone down this road, but we're and you know we're different. It's like no, now we're not. We're just exposed to different um, you know uh, economic and social circumstances, and people will try to use those tactics here. And you know what? It's going to be worse if Labour win um, this time around. I don't want to know what twenty twenty six is going to look like or the next three years. Um, maybe the fever breaks. Well, there but. has to be action from like people across the board to make that happen. And this is one of the things that's <laughs> fucking me off so much is, you know, th- these ideas don't have to take root here, but when no. people in power like pick them up like like David Seymour and start pushing and legitimate them, them. And, and legitimate them from the top because they're in fucking parliament and they've got a open horn um, to just say whatever the fuck they want. And then the media, whose job it is to interrogate this and to condemn them and critique them, just refuse to, if not like platforming a whole range of other stuff to legitimize them. It has never been about how good a strategy is. It has been a range of other solutions. Yes, I mean, obviously there's some KPIs he's fucking met, but for fuck's sake. Oh, it is, it is, it's count the rings, it's working. This is the other thing is that he has taken, like it's objectively true that the party went from 1% to yep. 15% under his watch. Um, it's 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 you don't have to jack them off about it, right? No, no. Um, but yeah, I, like specific targeting of of one thing that David Seymour has said aside. What worries me more is it's that const like you turn the temperature up like this, and it takes time for it to turn down. The the kind of yeah, legitimate public legitimation of of this kind of rhetoric, whether it's the um, anti-trans stuff or whether it's the um, kind of anti-Maori or anti-Pacifica stuff, like it takes time to go away um, if it goes away at all. And it's like, we are not just going to be hearing and dealing with this in the campaign. This changes our fucking social... It changes the discourse. and It changes the discourse. If media who are like, who create these narratives Mm. are are refusing to try and like pull the, the track switch... To define the bounds of what's acceptable. I'm not even saying like that I expect the media to dislike the ACT Party as much as I do. I get it. You, but there are lines. But they're like... What's your job? Us, what's your job if not enforcing help us draw. Help us draw these lines, you know? Um, yeah. It, all right. I think yeah. it's safe to say that we're pretty annoyed about this. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> fucking mad. And it's just, you know, it's, it's stuff we've been talking about for five years on this podcast. All these, all the people in media, they know that they know this shit. Like, mm. they they know how rhetoric works. They know how sto- like stochastic stuff works. Uh, they know the way that this shifts uh, perceptions, and they know this because they're always gone about how perception equals reality when it comes to the political fortunes of a party that's fucked up. So, who's creating that perception? Like, you know, there's been a whole bunch of stuff out on crime reporting recently as well. Um, out of Media Watch uh, has had another couple of good pieces about it. They're creating an environment. Why are they doing this? We we know what the facts are. Yes, people are having experience around this. I think you had a, a good thread about this earlier in the week, Rusty. Um, yeah, 
victims are having a bad time. That should be reported on. Like, there are failures here, but there's a difference between that and the the moral panics that have been chosen or not uh, to represent the overall feelings of uh, middle New Zealand. And it, it really feels like media or, or some in the industry believe they that they're very, very special, that they have this role and they, they work alongside things and you know, it's important for them to to be on side uh, with politicians and business uh, and the like, and, and to an extent beyond kind of like the manufacturing consent stuff, because New Zealand's small and they're all fucking mates. And so they're unwilling to to go in on people like Seymour because that might that might hurt a mate or it might, might stop access a, later on. I was going to say that might hurt a source who's yeah, going to be in government pretty soon. And and they, they, they're choosing that, they're prioritising those feelings over what the outcomes are going to be um, and outcomes that they know and have seen happen overseas and have seen happen in New Zealand previously as well. They absolutely know this stuff and they're choosing not to act on it. And it makes me sick. It makes me fucking sick. We can someone, can someone please just announce a good policy? <laughs> I mean, this is the other fucking thing. Like this stuff shouldn't I, be in the news because people should have something to vote for is, and there should be I other can- narratives. We, we can only talk about the Greens dental and tax plans and tops land tax for so long before it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that's that well, was two months ago. What's the thing? Like, that stuff's not getting covered either, right? Like, can just something good happen? Yeah. You know, it'd be nice to have a fun chat about good things. Yeah. This I mean, has not been one of those. I'm all for like <laughs> some, some good rhetoric eh, and some good angry rhetoric. Yeah. And I think there's a real. There's still a real space for that from the left. Um, just really go after uh, the very wealthy. Just do it. Yeah. Um, just go after the banks. Go after the supermarkets. Just like we're going we're to regulate the fuck out of you. Windfall tax time. Quietly, Labor has been doing that. Like antitrust has been one of the areas where, for all of the the the, the pace of it, they should be leaning in. And maybe we will see that during the the campaign. Yeah, I mean. We're still like really early in the campaign. It, it just feels yeah. Like the campaign it's been narrative started forever. really, really early on because like, of Ardern standing down. Yeah, and I think the you know billboards only went up last week. Yeah, um, exactly. We've got Forty-eight more days of this, or whatever it is. And we also, you know, for some of the big stuff, we're going to see that much closer to the election date because they the parties want that in people's minds when they go to the polls. Yeah, um, for stuff like the Greens tax plans, they need time for that to settle with the electorate, I think. I'd like to see it pushed a lot more. I'd like to see some fucking media cover it, um, especially in relation to disaster that National Act and Labour are are putting forward in this space. But I think even for them, even for the Greens, we're going to see a couple of big things still to come. Yeah. Hopefully. I can't come to enough, honestly. Yeah, what a horrible week. Uh, But look, there's still lots to do. There have been a lot of people on the ground um, on the left, uh, from the left parties. I know the Greens have been door knocking up a storm, get out there and and get involved. Like, this is a really important election. Vote left. (laughs) Um, I I know a lot of people out there are, like, struggling to get invested, like, especially if, um, you know, you're in hospital or other precarious industries. It's hard to get out there and vote. It's hard to tie your fucking future to someone like that because there's not really anything being offered. Yeah, just try and talk to people. I'm not going to tell you that you absolutely must vote. If you're feeling like you're, like, is that bad? Like, it's up to the political parties to draw you back in. They have to offer you something, right? Like, I get that. But 
<clears throat> yeah, this is a watershed election, I think. Like, if if we get an act an act led national government, uh, act New Zealand first coalition. It's looking bad. It's looking bad. So I, I would even a weaker Labour um, that is potentially forced to to go further left by the Party Māori and the Greens. It's going to keep some people alive. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. So yeah, get involved, have a chat to people, um, keep an eye out. We'll keep trying to bring you this critique and letting you know what's coming out in terms of policies and what it really means. Uh, because few and far between at the moment. Any final words from you, Rusty? Not a, Politics is not a spectator sport. I think I'm just going to say that every week. Yeah, please. Anyone in the media listening to this, please do better. We say this because we care. We say this because we want you to be better. We believe in you. We know we have it in you. Well, that's been another week. Uh, we'll we'll catch you next week for some more current events. Hopefully we've got some better news um, and we can actually celebrate some things. That would be great. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, give it a share. Get more people involved uh, with us as well. We've got the Patreon up in the summary as per usual. Catch you next time. Amongst the people every day In this vindictive, forgetful fucking rain